Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. You know, here in America, we recently celebrated the 4th of July. It's our declaration uh, that we are independent as a country and freedom uh, has been purchased for us by the blood, sweat, and tears and sacrifices of so many. We celebrate as a country. We honor those who paid the price and those even today who are serving in all the armed forces to protect that freedom. And we're such a grateful people for the freedom that we have. But, you know, people all over the world today are still involved in many battles. And one of, the, one of the heaviest battles that each of us face is the battle that takes place between our ears. It's the battle for peace of mind. It's the battle for, to take back captivity, our thoughts, and to line our thoughts with God and his plan and his will. So today in the podcast, as we go back to the Realigned series of messages, we're going to go to a sermon I preached out of Philippians chapter 4, entitled Realign Your Thoughts. Today, we're going to see in the scriptures principles to employ in this battle within us in order to gain the peace of mind that guards our heart and our minds in Christ Jesus. So grab your Bible, go to Philippians chapter 4. And let's go together to the scriptures and find the strength we need to retake over our thoughts. I want you to open your Bibles, first of all, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Quickly, let me tell you what's happening. The Apostle Paul is preaching. He is, he's been leading people to faith in Jesus. There's a town called Corinth. We've been preaching our Corinthians a lot this year. And in Corinth, many people are coming out from pagan religions and giving their heart to Jesus. They're finding out that Ephroditus is not the answer to their marriage and their love life. In fact, she's only caused them more heartaches and heartbreaks. She's only broken up more homes than she ever mended. They're finding out with all the other false idols that they're worshiping there uh, in, in Corinth that none of them are fixing their problems and none of them are giving them hope and forgiveness and easing their guilt and their shame. But then they heard the gospel of Jesus and they heard about Christ and they realized that God so loved the world he sent his son, that Jesus died in our place, that we can put our faith in him and we're saved by faith through gra uh, grace, through faith alone, and that God would redeem them and forgive them and give them a new chance. And all of a sudden people started coming from everywhere, giving their heart to Jesus. And it was beautiful. And the apostle Paul's writing letters and he's preaching to this church in Corinth. Then all of a sudden, the religious people showed up. The Judaizers. How many know that religious people always show up when God's at work? And when I'm talking about religious people, I'm not talking about devoted people. I'm talking about people who are stuck in man-made tradition, thinking that everyone had to operate a certain way. And so these Judaizers, let me tell you who they were. They were a group of Jews who came in behind Paul and started uh, trying to disqualify what Paul was preaching there in Corinth. And they were telling the people, no, 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 I know, I know you heard about this Jesus and you're saved by grace through faith alone. That's all good. I know it makes you feel good. But, 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 God won't accept you unless you follow all of the Jewish traditions. 
And so they started trying to tell non-Jews how to live like a Jew in order to have peace with God. And so they started contradicting what Paul was preaching. And when you come to 2 Corinthians, the apostle Paul, he just, he just flat out defends himself and he calls it out for what it is. And you come to chapter 10 and we see the strain that this has brought upon Paul. And here's something I want you to understand with. If you're going to live for the Lord and you're going to try to do what is right, you've got to be ready for spiritual attacks. You're going to fight battles. And if you've listened to some all ideology out there that talks about when you become a Christian, you're not going to fight any battles and struggles and trials. That's, there's a Greek word for that, baloney. <laughs> all right, I went 10 years of seminary so I could tell you that. I, I just need you to know that's not in the Bible. In fact, the Bible says those who live for Christ will suffer persecution and you're going to fight battles and you've got to learn how to have victory. And the biggest battle you're going to fight is here. Because put yourself in Paul's position, preaching to Corinth, seeing people saved, lives are being changed, and then really good-looking, religious, devout people show up and start telling your congregation that he's not preaching truth. That you've got to be more disciplined than what he tells you. You've got to follow this dietary uh, restrictions, and you've got to follow this certain pattern of religiosity. And all of a sudden, now there's confusion in the church, and you're the preacher. And listen, I, I'm just going to be vulnerable with you. Because one of our core values is fearless authenticity. We can have 12, 13, 1,400 people here on a weekend, 3,000, 4,000 watching online. I can get emails. I can get text messages. I can, have, I can have attaboys, one after the other, standing out in the lobby, greeting people after the service. Hey, good sermon. Oh, that blessed my heart. Oh, I needed that today. Oh, praise God. Thank you for preaching that. Oh, bless the Lord. I understood the scripture today. I can hear all that from all of you. And I can have one negative nanny come through the through the lobby and say, I don't think you interpreted that scripture right. I don't like how your body language was when you delivered that point. I, I, don't, I don't like the atmosphere. I don't like what you said there. You preached too long. You preached too short. Whatever it is. It's more the long than the short. But anyway. <laughs> what do you think I'm going to think about all day on Sunday afternoon? The negative. What do you think I think about all day on Monday? The negative. Now, don't judge me or say, oh, I thought my pastor was more spiritual than that. I get through it. I'm back, ain't I? <laughs> I ain't quit. I haven't retired. I never wrote out a resignation letter. And I've been doing this 27 years. But here's something that, that I know. You can't judge me because you do the same. You put a post on social media, have 150 likes. You get one person that put, <laughs> this cracks me up. One person accidentally hits the wrong emoji. They need to take that frowning mad face and put it somewhere off to the side because I'm convinced sometimes you get one of those and they meant to hit the one that's smiley right beside it and they just hit the wrong one because they're all thumbs on their phone. <laughs> and what do you do? You'll pull up and find out who put that face on my Facebook. <laughs> you know I'm telling truth. Say amen. amen. The battle's up here. And well, we, we got to get control of our thoughts. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to Corinth, and he, can you imagine the pressure he feels? Can you imagine what his thoughts are like? Why should I preach anymore? Why should I go and plant another church? Why, why, nobody in Corinth, everybody in Corinth is going to get led astray now. How could I have made it more clear? He's wrestling. And you can see it in his writing, but in his writing, you also see how he got victory. 
Let's look together. 2 Corinthians 10.3 For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Somebody say that with me. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they're powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that raises itself up against the knowledge of Christ. Here's what you just need to know. Most of your battles are against the issues of pride and arrogance that's coming against the knowledge of God. And once you recognize that, look at this. Look at what he says at the end. I want you to underline this last phrase. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Do you see that? Say it with me. We take every thought captive. Now, if why, why would he use the word take it captive? The only reason you would have to take something captive is because it's under assault from the enemy. Some of you feel guilty every time you struggle with your emotions. And every time uh, you struggle in your mind, you automatically are listening so intently to the, to the devil that he's convinced you that you, if you were living right, you wouldn't be battling that battle. Or the fact that you're in it, maybe God isn't hearing your prayers, or God doesn't love you anymore, or you're, you're, you've gone too far, he won't forgive you for that sin. And listen to me, I need to tell you, one of the names for the devil in the Bible is the accuser of the brethren. And where he works at is in your mind. And he wants to drag you down. He wants to tell you there's no hope. He wants to tell you you're no good. He wants to take you down into depression. He wants to leave you there hanging in hopelessness. But I'm here to tell you that God has given you the authority to take back your thought life, to take back your mind. You've got authority in Jesus' name and by the Spirit of God to take back what the devil's trying to take away from you. So these are fighting words. But notice what Paul says. He says, your fight's not against that person. He says, my fight's not against Judaizers who are telling lies and slander on me. Yours isn't about whoever upset you or hurt you. That's not, you're, you're not, your battle's not with people. It's not with government. It's not with systems. Your, your battle is deeper than, I need every one of you to know, your battle is, is being fueled by satanic forces. There's a spiritual element to every battle you're fighting. And you've got to look beyond the flesh. Paul says, my battle's not in the flesh. It's against powers and principalities and against spiritual forces in dark places. And you need to know how to fight. You've got to understand that you're going to fight, you're going to battle, but what looks like is in the flesh is actually at work through the Spirit. And you can't win if you're in a physical fight. You can only win if you fight against the Spirit of it. You've got to fight spiritual with spiritual. Say amen. So we're going, to, we're going to get some help here. So Paul in Philippians tells us how to do this. Now, this is interesting because Paul is in jail. He's battling the Judaizers in Corinth, and the battle, he says, i got to take every thought captive, and here's what I want you to watch out and see. I want you to see this. Paul's battle didn't end just because he learned how to take captive. In fact, the battle continued until the point of about A.D. 61, A.D. 62, Paul is imprisoned in Rome, and his only crime, preaching the good news of Jesus to people. Now, I don't know where we're at as a society or how far that lies in our future, how far we'll get to go before we start feeling more and more pressure about being open about our faith in the community. But I do believe that day's coming. 
And can I tell you, for many who watch us online every weekend, it has already happened to them in other countries. So you put yourself this morning in Paul's position. His is a lot worse case than yours is right now. Amen? He is a preacher of the gospel. He's done nothing wrong to nobody. He's loved on people, told them how to be saved, how to have faith in Jesus. He has constantly been slandered for it. He's been thrown under uh, the bus, so to speak. He has been ran out of town. He's been beaten. He's been in prison. He's been shipwrecked. Now he is in jail, all because of his love for Jesus. What do you think is going on in his mind? Do you think he's got thoughts going through his brain like, where's God? Why did this happen? Where did I fail? Should I have been a better preacher? Uh, should I not preach that sermon? <laughs> Why? What's going through his mind? And here's what's so interesting when you come to Philippians chapter 4. The preacher who's imprisoned is writing a letter of encouragement to the church that is free instead of the free church encouraging the prisoner. Amen. Now, I don't know if you caught that or not, but let me just explain it. If I'm going to learn from anybody, I want to learn from a man who can be in prison for no reason except Jesus, who has to write a letter to free people and tells them how to be encouraged in the Lord versus learning from the church who couldn't even write a letter of encouragement to a prisoner in prison. Say amen. I want to learn from the man who was writing from prison, encouraging the free people. And that's what we're doing today from the Apostle Paul, writing from victory in a prison cell. Look with me, Philippians chapter four, verse one. So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown, in this manner, say that with me and underline it, in this manner, stand firm in the Lord. So he's gonna teach us, he's gonna give us an outline. In this manner, and then he goes on to be a little encouragement. He says, dear friends, I urge Judea and Cynthia to agree in the Lord. And yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side. He's asking the church to come alongside these faithful women and build them up and encourage them. And along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers, whose names are in the book of life. Man, I'm telling you, when you're in a battle, you need to remember where your name is written. If you're in Christ Jesus, it's written in the book of life. But now look at verse 4. Four things here I want to show you. In verse 4 he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again in case you didn't hear it the first time. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, my brothers and my sisters, whatever's true and whatever's honorable and whatever is just and whatever is pure and whatever is lovely and whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. That's what you set your mind on. Dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. And what happens if you do them? The God of peace will be with you. 
So here's the first thing I want you to write down. I want you to see it because we're all going to come to battles and we've got to realign our thoughts. We've got to keep our motives pure and the why. We've got to remember who we serve and where we're at in this and how we're going to get through whenever you're battling, whenever your mind is under attack, when your thoughts are going astray. How do we take it captive? How do we reach back in there and take control? Number one, you've got to make the choice to rejoice. Say it with me. You've got to make the choice to rejoice. Look again at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Always. Even when life's not going so good. Even when your mind is troubled or fearful. And how many of you know that's the hardest time to gear yourself up to worship is when you're struggling. Because when you're struggling, when your mind is weak, when it's full of fear, when questions abound, what do we want? We want someone to come alongside of us and comfort us. There's nothing wrong with that. We want to talk about it. We want someone who will just sit and listen. Nothing wrong with that. But in the midst of that moment, here's what we've got to learn. Is that we've got to make the choice to rejoice because you can talk to everybody and never get over it. You can be hailed by everyone and not feel comfort. You can be strengthened and checked on and called and sent emails and texts and cards but you still got to do a little bit more to get the victory that you're looking for. And the secret is actually to go against what your emotions are telling you, to go against what nature is telling you. You've got to do something in the spirit that doesn't seem like it makes any sense at you, to you at all in the moment. Instead of staying down in the miry clay, you've got to make yourself stand up and throw your hands up in the air and begin to rejoice in the God that you serve. And the scripture says you've got to rejoice in the Lord, always. And then I love this, circle or underline the next line. And, and it says, and may I say it again. It's almost like Paul, when he wrote it the first time, he knew people sit in church going, I can't do that. I can't do that. I don't feel like praising God right now. If you pastor, if you only knew what I'm going through, you wouldn't praise him either. God, get that. You don't know what I'm going through this morning. No one knows what any person here, but I can tell you this, every one of you are in a battle, you just came out of a battle, or you're about to go into a battle. And you take it in reference to this, right? You got, you got battles in your thoughts right now, or you just came through a season of storms in your mind, or you're about to go into one. Say amen. And I want to tell you, this is true for all of us. In that moment, you got to choose to rejoice. you got to make the choice to rejoice. Not because you feel like it, but because of the one that you worship is worthy in all things. And just so, because Paul knew people, people were like, I don't, I don't get that. He writes, I say it again. And you know what that means? That is a Paul, that is the apostle Paul saying, listen, listen, listen. That's, that's what he's doing. Paul's saying, listen, listen, listen. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it. Rejoice. I believe Paul, in the middle of his struggle, must have been thinking about the book of Psalms. How many of you love the book of Psalms? And let me tell you, if you don't know much about the book of Psalms, let me tell you. If you're struggling to worship God in the midst of a struggle, and I know it doesn't make any sense to you, and I know right now you're even thinking, Pastor, why, why would you tell me to praise God in the midst of my storm? I'm going to show you here in just a moment. Most of the Psalms that you read were written during stormy seasons of the writer's life. 
And over and over again, when you read them, here's what happens. You hear words like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, rejoice, 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 seek refuge in God, praise the Lord. And all of a sudden, you realize that these people found strength in the midst of their battles, not from the battle and not from their inner self, but from the Lord. And if, that's, if God was good enough for them, God's good enough for me, amen? I wonder if, if Paul was thinking of Psalm 511. Look at it there on your message notes. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them shout for joy forever. May you shelter them and may your love, may they, those who love your name boast about you. Now, isn't that wonderful? What does it say that we are to do? We are to rejoice. But who is to rejoice? Don't miss it. Those who need to find refuge. Who needs to find refuge? The people who are in the midst of an attack. That psalm's written from people who are under attack. They're hiding in a cave. But what is, what is uh, the psalmist saying? While you're down in that cave, lift your hands up and start singing to the God who can pull you out of that cave. Come find refuge in God. Find God. And how do you do that? Rejoice. There's, a, there's an old saying that, that I used to say a lot in sermons, and it's taken off of another psalm. There's a psalm that says that God inhabits the praises of his people Israel. And there's a principle there. And this is what, I, what I've been known for saying quite a bit, is that when our praises goes up, the glory comes down. And if you can learn this, listen to me, the devil don't have a tool in his, in his toolbox to fight. He doesn't have a weapon in his arsenal to know how to attack you on this. When the praises go up, the glory comes down. God inhabits the praises of his people. There's something that happens when you praise the Lord in the midst of a struggle. Write a couple of things down. Here's one thing I can tell you for sure. It'll lighten up your mood. It'll lighten up your mood. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says this, and let your, um, let your graciousness be known to everyone. How in the world can you be gracious when you just want to crawl in a hole in a fetal position and pull the covers over your head? How many's ever been so burdened, so, bur so troubled, you didn't want to talk to nobody, let alone smile at them? Say amen. Just in case you're in the room today, look at your neighbor and smile anyway. It can be fake, it's all right. <laughs> you at home, we're smiling back at you too, okay? Listen to me. How can you be gracious when you're in a battle? Something happens when you begin to choose to rejoice. And you begin to praise God, not because you're free, not because you've got victory. You praise God just because of who God is. And you just start praising God for who he is. And all of a sudden, listen, something happens on the inside of you. You're in the middle of a battle. And you start praising God. God, I thank you that you're sovereign. You are holy. Nothing escapes your vision. You see everything. You see the end from the beginning. You're alpha and omega. You're the beginning and the end. Oh, wait a minute. Do I believe that? Yes, I do. That means God, Satan has no power over you. And even in the midst of my battle right now, it's not bigger than you. It's not stronger than you. It's not greater. Wait a minute, what's happening? As I'm praising him in the middle of my battle, now all of a sudden my mood starts lightening up. Let me tell you what else that'll happen. Write this down. It'll, it'll strengthen your faith. You see that last line there in verse five? He says, and let your graciousness be known to everyone. What's the next four words? The Lord is near. Say that with me. The Lord is near 
is near. One more time. The Lord is near. So here you go. You're in the middle of the battle. And all of a sudden, God, you're sovereign. God, you see everything. You're Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Satan has no power over you. And then all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, you start not praising him just for who he is, but for what he's done in your life and who he says you are. And then all of a sudden, you say, and your word says in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Well, I tell you what, you'll start feeling something at that moment if you start praising like that in the middle of your struggle. And all of a sudden you start saying, in Romans chapter 8 says, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm. And all of a sudden, you feel a little goosebump coming over down, down your spine, a little bit. Hair starts rising up on your arms. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, I'm starting, my mood's starting to change. And wait a minute, I'm starting to believe, hey God, nothing can happen unless you say it because you're sovereign. In the end, I'm going to win. Why? Because the Lord is near. He's right here with me right now. And hey, man, if I got to suffer until he comes again, the Lord's still coming. He's near. Amen. Right here or when he comes back for me. Either way, I'm in a win-win situation. Amen. How many people in this church and watching online are in a win-win situation? I dare you to interrupt this sermon for three seconds and give him a shout of victory in this house. You're in a win-win situation. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. See, every satanic attack is an opportunity. Every satanic attack is an opportunity. An opportunity for you to invite God into that situation. So you do that, first of all, through rejoicing. Second of all, write this down. Instead, don't stray, but pray. So you don't let your mind stray. Instead, you pray. You get focused. As you're worshiping the Lord for who he is, now all of a sudden the Bible says you can bring your petition to the Lord. Bring your request unto the Lord. Give him your request. Pray. Look at it with me. In verse 6, don't worry about anything. How many know that's hard to do? Unless you take your captives, your thoughts. you got to get your mind back. How do I not worry about this? I put more trust in God than I put in my situation. Don't worry about anything, but in everything. Shout in everything. Come on, shout in everything. Even in that thing that you don't want to give up. Shout everything. What do we do? Through prayer and petition, which is a specific prayer. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. So you begin with praise, and then you go into prayer. Then you start asking God to come in the situation. Paul, Paul, at another time, the reason why he can write this is there was a time when Paul was in that Philippian jail with a guy named Silas. And the only reason why they were there is because they'd been preaching the gospel and set a girl free from demonic oppression. And all of a sudden, they get brought in and chained, and at midnight, they learn the power of prayer and praise when they are combined. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, about midnight, Paul and Silas began to pray and began to sing praises unto the Lord. And the Spirit of God came on that jail and moved, and their chains fell off, and the door swung open wide. Second Chronicles chapter 20 tells us about three armies who laid siege to the city of Jerusalem and the people of Judah. And the preacher, or excuse me, the king, the king Jehoshaphat called the people together in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And he called them together and he said, people of Judah, remember the Lord your God. Believe in the Lord your God. And in verse 21, after he consulted with the people, he appointed some to sing for the Lord, 
Some to praise the splendor of his holiness. Wait a minute. I thought, preacher, you said three armies had laid siege to the city of Jerusalem. They had. Why are they having a worship service? Because God does something when his people praise him and rejoice and seek his face in the midst of a struggle. And so they called out on the name of the Lord and then they sent out singers. Watch this, listen to this. Verse 21, and they sent out singers in front of the armed forces and they kept singing. Give shouts, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. The moment, listen to this, the moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seirs who came to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. How many know that the enemy cannot stand where the presence of God resides? And the people of God started praising the Lord and they started seeking God before they responded to their situation. And when they began to praise in prayer, God came in and fought the battle. Three against one, that's nothing when God's on your side. Say amen. So here's a principle. Always seek God before you respond. Make the choice to rejoice and then seek God before you respond. Well, that keep us out of a lot of trouble, amen? amen? Number three, you defeat the negatives with thankfulness. Defeat the negatives with thankfulness. Look back at verse six again. But in everything, through prayer and petition, underline it now, with thanksgiving. Now this is so powerful, this is so important. Because, listen, you can worship God and worshiping God for who he is is general. All of us can do that today. Amen? Amen. How many believe he is Alpha and Omega? Yes. Beginning and the end? Yes. Sovereign? Yes. All-powerful? Yes. All-seeing? Yes. All-knowing? You got enough to praise him just for who he is. Say amen. amen. But there's a difference between pray, uh, rejoicing and thankfulness. And notice prayer's in the middle. It's kind of a sandwich. Isn't that what Jesus taught his disciples in the Lord's Prayer? By the way, the Lord's Prayer is not something for you just to memorize and recite without heart. It is a model. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. How do you start your prayer? You see, most of the time we start out our prayer immediately going to what our need is. Here's how most of our prayers sound. God, help! <laughs> Amen? When it needs to start out with rejoicing. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And you start praising God for who he is. Then you bring your request. But wait a minute. In the end, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. you got to wrap that thing back up. But now you wrap it up not just with praising God for who he is. Listen to me. But you praise him with thankfulness. And the difference is, I can worship generally with God, and so can you. But you cannot be thankful generally. You can only be thankful personally. Because when I'm being thankful, I've got to thank him for something he's already done. And you know what that does to my faith? 
Father, I praise you for who you are. You are awesome. You're almighty God. Satan can't get over this, God. He can't defeat you. You're all powerful. God, here's my need. I'm in this battle right now. I need deliverance. I need clarity. I need wisdom, whatever it is. And God, I thank you because you've done this for me before. And what you've done before, you will do it again. How many know God will do it again? Somebody shout, God, do it again. Come on, say it one more time. God, do it again. You know, there's a study. And you know I love this kind of stuff. There's a, there's a medical study on the brain that has stated that you can actually change the physiology of your brain and how it responds to stimulus. But here's what most people don't know. It takes 10 minutes of you concentrating on that thought before the physiological change begins to happen inside the brain. So in other words, what you need to learn from that is, is you need to think about what you're thinking about. If you want to know why each point of my sermon is 10 minutes long, is I'm trying to get you to think about what we're thinking about. Say amen. And that's why you get scared when I have a six or a seven point sermon. (laughs) Amen. You need to think about what you're thinking about. In other words, you've got to focus in on it. And if you stay on a thought for at least 10 minutes, it starts rewiring how your brain uh, thinks about that situation. How awesome is that? So that as you're worshiping God, if you can keep your mind on the Lord, eventually, eventually, you're going to come to a battle. You won't need this outline. You won't even have to go grab Philippians chapter 4. You'll be in the supermarket going through a battle, and next thing you know, you're standing there in the middle of the aisle praising Jesus. Praising, Lord, I thank you. I'm in a battle, Lord Jesus, right now, but I thank you because you're going to help me through this. Here it is. And now all of a sudden, it's going to dawn on you. What am I doing? And you're going to be following the principles because you got your mind rewired. And then you're going to look around you and see all them other people there in the grocery store doing this. They don't know if they want to get away or get closer because they want what you got. Amen. Number three, fight the negatives with thankfulness. Write this down. Because praise confuses the enemy. The devil don't know what to do with that. He does not know what to do with it. Number four, then prepare for a blessing. This morning, I just simply want to tell you an an easy little outline how to take your thoughts captive and realign your life. Make the choice to rejoice. It'll lighten your mood and it'll build your faith. Don't let your mind stray with all the wild thoughts. Focus on men now and pray. And all that negativity stuff that's happening, defeat it by counting your blessings and being thankful. Because the devil don't know how to fight against you. When in the middle of hell, you're praising him like you're standing in heaven. Amen. Whatever that struggle is, thank you. And when you do, you set yourself up for a blessing. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Circle that. It surpasses all understanding. It's a peace that God can give you when your brain 
And every cell in your body says, you shouldn't have no peace right now. When you're in the middle of a struggle, when you don't know what the answer is, you don't know how you're going to get through, yet you're walking around with peace. And the God of peace, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, circle this now, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How many say thank you, Father, for that? Amen. Amen. So here's your big takeaway. Because you've been given the authority to do this in Jesus' name. Take control of your thoughts so you can enjoy the presence of God. Amen. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and just, whatever is pure and lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, please hear me, my brothers and my sisters. Dwell on these things in the God of peace. You ready for a blessing? And the God of peace will be with you. Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisvaught.net, and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week, and we will open our Bibles and together pursue after the heart of God. Thank you again for joining us at The Pursuit. Thank you for joining us today for The Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our